Welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Christy <laughs> in my closet in St. Louis. <laughs> wee you, wee you. <laughs> this is Beth from Rescue 911. <laughs> this is Beth coming at you from my closet in North Carolina. What's up? <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. I had to. <laughs> it's so good. You really do have the voice for it. Somebody call her. <laughs> Send me send send voice um snippets to people you know if you if you can do voiceovers yeah. or something. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Totally do that. I'll be your assistant. Okay. Okay. I'll yeah. bring you coffee. Bring me coffee. Make sure yeah. my mic is on. Yep. <laughs> Remind me, turn the mic on. Mm-hmm. I'll help you do your uh vocal exercises so you have that deep and sultry, mysterious voice. You did it. You did it. That sounded good. <laughs> we'll job. see. We'll learn from the best, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we practiced, you know, only for like 30 minutes before we started this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh if my god, you were in our closet. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> part 2. Yes, we are in part 2, and I know that I left everyone hanging there with not a whole okay. lot of information to start with. But I just I needed all of the information for today to go together so that you wouldn't forget some of this. Okay. <laughs> I like it. It's kind of, I don't know. It's wonky to me. I like that word, wonky. I like that word too. So we shall just get right into it. Let's get right, right into wonky Todd. All righty. So here we go. Episode two of Todd Colehep. So yesterday we left off with two police departments about to execute a plan to search Todd's property and his residence at the same time. They knock on the door at Todd's house, and he answers, thankfully. One of the officers used to live near Todd years prior, so he just kind of is like, oh, hey, long time no see, Todd, blah, blah, you know, shooting the chunk. <laughs> I want to say that word. <laughs> um, and... He explains to them that they are helping the Anderson police detectives with a missing persons case of a couple. They did not, however, announce that simultaneously they were executing the search warrant at his other property. So they kind of kept that to themselves. It was a sting. Yes. They explain that they have a warrant for his car, his house, and his phone, but they're mainly interested in his phone. So he offers to go inside and get it for them. And they're like, well, you know, why don't we just like step inside so we're not airing your dirty laundry out here in the public. So they all go inside. And interesting, by the way, there is body cam footage of all of this. So you can watch the entire thing like as it plays out and exactly his reactions. And it was very fun for me to watch, by the way. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So they start asking him questions about the couple and let him know that their phones last pinged near his property. And he admits to knowing Kayla, saying that she would occasionally clean houses for his real estate agency. And on the day that they went missing, he says that they both had come to his land to prune some trees for the day. But he said they only stayed an hour or so because it got too hot. But the phone records kind of prove that that's a lie. Mm. And Todd kind of is just like, well... I don't know what to say. I can't explain it, but they were only there for an hour. I don't know why their phones kept pinging from my property. So they explain their reasons for the warrant and inform him of his rights, but that Mm -hmm. he is not under arrest, but invite him to answer questions. 
which he agrees to. So, oh, gosh, it's always yeah. a bad idea. I know you don't have a lawyer present. You're, you know, I don't know. I think he just thinks he can play it cool enough to just kind of mm. get them to go away. But we shall see what that happens, how that plays out. The police say they are aware that he also had a prior relationship with Kayla, oh. which just all of a sudden comes out. I did not know until I'm literally watching this body cam footage. And he confirms that he had met her a few years earlier at a strip club when he was with some friends that she worked at. And he mm. says that they had an on-again, off-again sexual relationship. And as they continue to question him, the officer's phones are, you know, pinging to, like, give them updates of what's happening, you know, at the property. So, you know, one of them kind of steps out so that they're not disturbing the conversation and, you know, then kind of, like, informs the other guys when he hears stuff. But anyway, the team um, with on, at the land, there's, like, 20 officers and that other um, investigator from Anderson – and they find a green metal storage container on that property, a small wooden building, and a concrete garage. So they search the garage and find basically a front-end loader tractor, an ATV, and a number of firearms, some of which have silencers on them. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that in the end, they ha he had like 20, they pulled like 20-something guns from his property, which he shouldn't have been able to get anyway. Right. He apparently bought from some guy who got them legally, I guess, but he bought them off of somebody else. Oh. And actually, I was flipping through because there's a bunch of pictures online from, like, just his house and the property. And when you flip through them, you can just see he just has them, like, everywhere, like, in his nightstand, like, in a random drawer in the desk. And there was actually one, like, hanging from a nail above a doorway not far mm -hmm. from where the police were questioning him. So, oh, like, literally at any point, he could have just, like, grabbed that as he was walking through. But thankfully, he didn't. Anyway, there was also this large cage in the corner of this um, garage, which they found a little bit strange because it wasn't like a dog cage. It was, like, bigger. Like, it could almost, like, house a human. Um, and upstairs in this garage is a small apartment. And there's this living area with a bed. And next to the bed is a pallet with blankets on it. And then there's shackles hanging from the wall. So there would be like oh. a metal plate screwed into the wall with shackles like padlocked to it. And in the bathroom, they find freshly cut reddish brown hair. And this is kind of, I mean, all that other stuff is strange. But this is kind of where they start thinking, okay, we are onto something. Because Kayla had a similar hair color. Hmm. So then they move on to the storage building and there's really not much of significance in there, just some more, you know, guns and um, storage, like, you know, food and whatever stuff that he was storing in there. So they move on to the large green shipping container, which is about the size of a bus. And on the door, there's five padlocks, four that are like across the bottom of it. And then this one bigger one that's kind of in the middle of the two, you know, like the two doors. Okay. And they they get the four off fairly easily, but when they try to use bolt cutters to get that last one off, they're, it's not strong enough. And so they start taking turns hitting it with sledgehammers. They're just trying everything. And at this point, they start hearing a noise <gasps> coming from the storage container, but then a cat runs from underneath it. So they just thought, oh, it was underneath and it was like banging whatever. So they start hammering again. And in between hits, they start hearing banging coming from the inside. 
Oh, it was not the cat. It was not the cat initially. So then they realized at this point there's someone inside. And also, side note, full vid- full footage online of this rescue. So you can watch the whole thing as it unfolds. Again, amazing to watch, but very chilling. The police are having a heck of a time getting in. Some of them stayed. It seems like it, they don't even know how long it took them to get in, but it seemed like it took hours but because they just yeah, because I'm sure they got frantic once they realized someone was inside this thing. Yeah. So then they start looking for tools on the property and end up using some of Todd's own tools to finally break in. And I think what I saw, like, I don't know exactly, but it looks like it was like a handsaw that they were like using to cut through this lock. And they finally get the door open and walk in and all the way in the back, they find Kayla Brown <gasps> and she had been locked in this container for two months She was chained by the neck like a dog. And the most chilling part of the rescue video was seeing, was just seeing her there. Like, and she's got her hands up because she, you know, she knows it's the cops and she's got her hands behind her. I thought she was chained behind her head, but she had just like put them there because she was like, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm not armed. I'm like, I'm just here. But she's literally chained like a dog with this thing around her neck. It's awful. And shackled with her feet. So as they're freeing her, they're trying to ask her some question, you know, letting her know we're going to get you out. You're safe. You know, everything's going to be okay. They're, okay, well, do you know where Charlie is, where your friend is? And she answers, he shot him. So they're like, okay, well, who shot him? And she proceeds, again, this is very chilling to listen to, just calmly, this is exactly how she said, well, I don't want to say exactly how she says it, but this is what she says, calmly rattles off this statement. Todd Kolhep shot him three times in the chest, wrapped him in a blue tarp, put him in a bucket of a tractor, walked me in here, and I have never seen him since. He says he is dead and buried and says that there are several bodies buried out here. And he says the dogs will be ruined if they go looking because there's red pepper everywhere. And I'm saying she just says it all like that. Like it all comes out in one breath. Like she's trying to like. She's been practicing that for two freaking months. Right. Exactly. So. Is this a movie? I don't think so. Sidebar, because I feel like I have seen this and I don't, and I haven't. Well, I mean, you could have seen the footage. I mean, I'm sure it was played on the news at the time and being in North Carolina, so. you'd be pretty close. You might've like seen a I whole lot know. of this. Coverage. It just sounds familiar to me for some reason, but that is crazy. I mean, it mm-hmm. sounds like a movie. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely like documentaries made of it. So maybe you saw one that you don't remember seeing. Yeah. Because that footage is in a lot of that stuff. Wow. So um, the officers immediately let the other group of officers at Todd's house know that we've found Kayla. Yeah. He's wonky. Yeah. So they called one of the officers and that officer texted somebody else inside the house. And immediately they told Todd, we have the girl. And he's like, excuse me? Kind of like trying to play dumb. And they immediately handcuff him and ask him where the body is. And he just denies shooting anyone and denies that he's held Kayla captive. So he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, essentially. So once they get Kayla free, they take her away in an ambulance to have her checked out. And she just starts spilling it in the ambulance. And there's also video of this. And so, so they have her spilling the beans in this ambulance and she would say that every day Todd would come to the container between one and three. I don't really know how she knows. I don't know if she had a watch or what, but 
between the hours of one and three every day. And he would unchain her neck and feet, but would keep her handcuffed. He would bring her to the building next door where that like living area is above the garage Mm -hmm. and feed her and hold a gun in his hand while he made her do whatever he wanted sexually. Mm -hmm. Then he would put her back in the storage container. Sometimes he would let her take, allow her to bathe. And I don't really think it was like an actual bath. Like there would just be like a bucket of warm water or something that he would let her like wash herself off with. She would sleep on a dog mattress in the container and had a few blankets and some battery-powered lights in there. And again, going back to those pictures, you can see like all the stuff that was surrounding her. And you know those like plastic, white plastic storage drawers? You know, like it's Mm -hmm. white and the plastic is like clear drawers or whatever. There was like one of those next to her. And inside that, there was like a loaf of bread, some peanut butter, books, toilet paper, like some like just random things that I guess – he just wanted to leave her so that she could survive and maybe have something to do. I think they were even like true crime books, actually, weirdly enough. Wow. So Todd had told Kayla that she would stay alive basically only for his pleasure. And investigators felt that Kayla's life was pretty much coming to an end pretty soon because when they finally found Charles buried on the property, they found a pre-dug grave open next to him. (gasps) And later, Todd would admit, you know, in, in the interrogation room that it was a grave for Kayla. So they, I think, pretty much got to her, like, just in the nick of time. Wow. So I bet at this point you're interested to know how Todd qualifies as a serial killer. Cause I really, really am. But first of all, I just would like to say that Kayla is a superstar. Mm, like, yeah. what a boss for surviving this and oh my gosh yeah I mean the way like I said you should watch that because the way she just rattles that off it was like yeah she had been practicing it and she was just waiting for somebody to find her and when she's hitting on the container clearly she's basically hoping and praying it's not him out there that she's banging just taking that chance but anyway so but you will have to wait until after this break to find out how he qualifies okay. as a serial killer. Okay. <laughs> Be right back. Okie doke. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Okay, so we're back. And here's where things start to get really interesting, as if it really already wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) Kayla continues to talk to police and tells them that Todd had told her about other victims buried on the land. He tells her he had killed another woman and her husband, And she says that he had told her he also killed four people at a motorcycle shop years before this. Which I don't know if you are familiar with that case, but we'll get to it. Okay. The police are questioning Todd at this point at the station, and he avoids any questions about the motorcycle shop, but does offer information on the couple that Kayla has mentioned. And this is, now we're going to move to their case, Megan and Johnny Coxey. They had gone missing on December of... In December of 2015, so pretty much a year, like 11 months before Kayla was found. And 
he met them on a street one day when they were panhandling and offered them work cleaning houses for his real estate agency. Seems to be his M.O. Mm-hmm. He told him to come to his land to pick up some of the cleaning supplies. And Todd says when they got there, Johnny pulled a knife on him and was going to rob him. So as Todd says, I put two in his chest because, you know, he always has a gun on him. (sighs) But he apparently then panics and doesn't know what to do with Megan. So he puts her in the storage container, the same storage container that he will later use to hold Kayla in. While Megan is in this container... He buried Johnny just outside of the container, not far, just a few feet from it. And he would daily for about five or six days bring Megan pizzas, specifically Little Caesars. I always find it interesting that they put the specific brand in these, like that matters. It was pizza, soda, and cigarettes. Does it have, do you have, I have to know that it was Little Caesars, Dr. Pepper. (laughs) Little Caesars, $5, hot and ready. Yeah. But anyway, so he brings her pizza, Dr. Pepper, and cigarettes daily for about five or six days. And he tries to calm her down by saying that he'll let her go. but And he would drive her to, like, Tennessee, give her $4,000, and let her start her life over. But, you know, Megan's a fighter, apparently, and she's just causing hell. And he, she was a nuisance to him. He said that she kept causing trouble and burning shit. That's what he said. Oh, because she had cigarettes. Yes. And he describes her as acting like a caged animal. Well, uh, she was, bro. Yeah. Um, you kind of treated her like one. So, wow. yeah. Pretty sure that's how I'd behave too. can't believe he just told them all this. I know. The way he, he talks. Serial killer confessions. Mm-hmm. It's amazing the way he thinks he can just like tell them things and say things. It was amazing. Fascinating. He came to the container one day and there was a whole bunch of smoke coming out of it. So he takes her, he's just mad at this point, takes her out of the container and just shoots her in the back of the head and buries her next to Johnny. So there we go. There's victim number two and three. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But really, I don't know what order they are, but anyway. So we now have three bodies, which is a definition of serial killer. Yes. However, we still have one more case to talk about. Let's chat a minute about that motorcycle shop killing that Kayla mentioned. This one goes back 13 years to 2003, hmm. which was just a couple of years after he got out of prison. Right. And at this point, that case is a cold case. And also could, by the way, be, I think, a podcast in and of itself. But I'll try and stick to the more important and interesting facts of the case. So... Four bodies were found shot to death at Superbike Motorsports Store in Chesney, South Carolina, which is about 40 miles north of where Todd lived. The four victims were the owner, Scott Ponder, his mother, Beverly Guy, store manager, Brian Lucas, and mechanic, Chris Sherbert. Mm -hmm. The initial thought was that this could have been drug-related because apparently Chris had some sort of court date coming up like that following Monday. I don't remember what day of the week this was, but he had a court date. And so they just thought since he seemed to have been the first person shot that he was the intended victim and everybody else just kind of got in the way. But they kind of quickly ruled that out and then just follow some other random leads. And there was also a customer in the store not long before the short, like literally minutes before the shootings um, occurred who described another customer that he had noticed in the store, but nothing super out of the ordinary. Basically the only thing 
that he noticed that was weird was that he was wearing like a jacket and it was not really the weather to wear, you know, it was still warm. Like he's like, I was wearing a t-shirt and shorts that day. And this guy's, you know, in there with long jacket on and jeans and whatever. And he was just kind of sitting on a bike. But other than that, just, you know, mentioning that there was another customer in the store. So as the days go by, they find out that Brian, the store manager, may not has been may not have been as happy in his marriage as everyone had thought, because they heard that he was looking at houses without his wife's knowledge. And actually that morning he was going to see a house, but then got a call to come into work. So he ended up going into work. So they started looking into that angle. And then and also at the time, Scott, the owner, his wife, Melissa, was newly pregnant. They literally, I think two days before that, had like gotten their first sonogram. Aww. Two or three days before that. And that it had taken a lot for them to get pregnant. And so the police call her back into the station to kind of talk about these different leads that they're having. And at this time she has the baby. So this is quite, you know, ways after the the shooting. And after she leaves, they take a diaper from the trash that she had changed the baby and tested the DNA in the diaper. And the tests, yeah, just they just take it upon themselves to do this. The tests come back that Scott's not the father. Oh. And actually, I think that it was Brian, the store oh. manager. So now they're thinking there's this like love triangle. And so they, you know, confront Melissa, but she's like adamantly, no, this is not the case. Like it, we've had to go through medical procedures to get pregnant. Like there's no way he is the, he is the father. Scott's the dad. I don't know. I don't care what you're saying. So she gets to the point where she's like, we need a second test and I'm going to bring the baby back in. I'm going to watch you swab him. I'm going to watch you put it in the envelope. I'm going to watch you send it off because I do not believe that this is the case. So that, that's what they do. They have a total another test done. She watches every minute, every step of the way. And that one comes back the same that he is <gasps> not the father. So she literally, I watched something on her is thinking, I must have taken the wrong baby home from the hospital. Cause she's so convinced there's no way she's like, I did not have an affair with Brian. Like I didn't have an affair at all with anybody. So I don't know how this is even possible. So they're still going this love triangle route, especially since they know Brian was looking for a house without his wife's knowledge. So they're thinking Melissa killed them or hired someone to kill them or something along those lines. So they follow her and check into her and everything she did for 18 months until for some reason they checked Beverly's DNA against Scott's because that was her son. And those come back not a match. And so they realize that because they know that Beverly is Scott's mother, that they switched Scott and Brian's blood at the scene. day. So they followed Melissa and accused her and basically saying that her baby wasn't like her husband's because of their mistake. They were next to each other. Their bodies were next to each other. And somebody labeled the blood wrong, <gasps> the DNA wrong. Oh, my goodness. And Melissa oh. thought she was crazy. Yep. Yes. Could you imagine losing your husband in this manner, being accused of all of these things, and it was uh, somebody's mistake at the scene of the crime? I hope they did not give her that person's name because I know she took her oh. diaper bag and beat the holy crap out of them. Oh, I know. I definitely would. And 
you know, like, I mean, come on. So they've, they've been following her for 18 months. They haven't been following any other leads. So they're barking up the wrong tree. Meanwhile, the real killer is scot-free, like, oh, got, got away with this. And they're not even thinking about me right? for a year and a half. So now they have Todd in custody and he's ready to talk about Superbike. He informs police that he had purchased a motorcycle from Superbike and the police all these years have had his name on the customer list. That's what I was just going to ask. Was he on their radar at all for this bike thing? He was not because he, so we'll get into it, but he was not on their radar at all. They didn't even question him, nothing. And the guy that was at the store, the other customer was describing Todd at the time. Wow. Okay. He was the guy in the jacket. Todd was the guy in the jacket. Yep. So he had purchased a, a bike, a motorcycle from Superbike, but he didn't actually know how to ride a motorcycle. And he was had kept going back in, talking to them, attempting to return it or trade it in. And but within 14 days of of buying the bike, it was stolen. And so he said he had kept going back to them, and the guys in the store would make fun of them and be make fun of him and be rude, like making fun of him that he couldn't ride a bike. Why'd you buy a bike? And now you're coming back to buy a new bike. Like, what's wrong with you? I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's the case. Clearly nobody will ever know if that's what happened, but he's basically just gets pissed. He's mad. And he actually becomes convinced that they were the ones that stole his bike, like just to kind of like, you know, give it to him or something. I don't know. I don't think that's the case. There's like nobody thinks that knows the people that own that store. I think that that would ever have happened, but he's convinced that they stole his bike and now they're making fun of him. So this angers him. And he comes back to the store one day with a gun and he waits for all of the customers to leave. He's just basically pretending to be another, to be interested in buying another bike. And he's sitting on different bikes and actually picks one out. And Chris, the mechanic takes the bike back to prepare it for him. And as he's working on it, Todd goes back to him and shoots him twice. The three other people in the store, Beverly, Scott, and Brian, clearly they hear shots and they start coming in that direction. And Beverly is the closest to him. And so he takes two to three shots at her. Scott and Brian start take, making a run for the door. And he gets a few more rounds off, he says, and hits one in the back. And then he states, I did a tactical reload and dropped the last guy before he got out the door. So, and I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it was in this statement or when he was talking about something else, but he's like, has said to the cops, you guys would have been so proud. Who talks like this? I know. I, I know. Mean, if they do have a movie about this, they don't have to script it. Nope. They can oh, literally no. just say what he said because he is mm-hmm. so dramatic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's crazy. Mm-hmm. Not so. So he basically shot all four of these people because his feelings were hurt. Because he bought a bicycle he didn't know how to ride. <laughs> not, not a bicycle. Motorcycle, I should say. So that's seven total people that Todd has admitted to killing. And he's arrested on November 16th. Nope. November 2016. On May 26, 2017, he pleads guilty to seven counts of murder, two counts of kidnapping, and one count of criminal sexual assault. And he is serving. Guilty. Wow. Yes. Seven consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole, and he pled guilty to avoid the death penalty. Ah. Yes. So they gave him a plea deal, and he was like, fine, I'll take it. So 
that same docuseries that I watched was very interesting because he talks to this reporter and basically tells her that the body count is nowhere near just those seven and that it's much higher. But there, but he will not. Oh, and he's also on a recorded call with his mom saying that they're not going to stop pulling bodies off of that land. That's what he told his mom in a phone call. And was and his mom s- like, okay, bye. I mean, again, <laughs> again, you can listen to this call. This poor woman was like, Todd, my gosh, why? Like, what? Why in the world would you do this? What do you mean? And she's like, are there more bodies? And he's like, oh, they won't stop pulling them off that land. But they haven't pulled any others off. I actually don't know how much they've actually searched that land. Because clearly they could just like. not though? Yeah, but like it's 95 acres. You just dig up the entire thing. Well, but you can have dogs out there. You can. Yes. Dig up the whole thing if you have to. But I will say, and I don't know how much like truth there is to this whole red pepper thing that can the dog sniff it? like if it is will it really ruin their sense of smell if they s- sniff that red pepper like Kayla said in the storage container I don't know well but I mean I, it's probably gone now yeah I know probably maybe it's washed away but I don't I don't even know if it's a true thing like if that's actually the case but I do know that when she said that the guys like the police officer immediately were like tell the guys with the dogs and when you know and I didn't hear it like kind of trailed off so they were warning huh. them like not to but anyway I don't know but there's just no evidence of any other victims. And he refuses to show authorities where any other bodies are unless he gets immunity from all future charges, which the DA refuses to do because he wants to be able to prosecute. But at this point, he's he's going to die in jail. Right. And I, I get wanting justice for all of these other victims if there are other victims. But just give these other families if there's other families out there that need closure or just yeah, to I mean, know where their loved one is. Are there other missing people in the area that they could possibly look into and connect him? Like, come come on, guys. Well, again, that same it the the docu I should mention what it is. It's called um Unchained Devil Unchained. Serial killer Devil Unchained is what it's called. And it's like a three episode um docuseries. And he tells her of a his first killing, which was not long after he got out of jail and it was at an apartment complex. He says these two guys tried to like rob him or something and he just stabs them and then buries their bodies, like went driving and got off an exit and buried them and whatever and then went back and cleaned and he went into detail. And the mine hunter guy, what's his name, like John Douglas or the guy that like – is like the original mind hunter. Oh, right, right. Yes. He was in on this docuseries and he believes Todd when he says he killed somebody, these other guys because of the detail he went in, mm-hmm. but they did search a couple of exits that they thought might be, and they never found anything mm-hmm. and he won't show them specifically where it is. So they're like, we can't just keep searching everywhere and we don't know. They don't believe him. Police don't believe him. They think that he's just like making it up to just get more notoriety to be more of a prolific serial killer. Right. But Because he's already going to die in prison. So why not right. just be infamous? Yes, exactly. Sicko. So anyway, I encourage you to watch that series because it was – they have even more taped converse- conversations with him. And like he's just an interesting person to listen to in what he says. Great so, story. Anyway, yeah, crazy. I just guy. Would like to say 
that this was a rescue 911 story. <laughs> this one was real drama. Yeah, like, it was. <laughs> I'm telling you, that was wild. Yeah. Yep. I feel like I have things to do. I know. You got a lot of stuff to watch with this guy. You got I you got YouTube so. videos to watch. I mean, Seth, thanks. You made me go yes, down this rabbit friend. hole for hours to do this, and then you're going to make other people go down the rabbit hole of watching all of this footage. That's a great, great, wild ride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a good story, Seth. You're the man. <laughs> Todd, you are not. No, you, you are not wonky the man. P.O.S. I will say, I mean, he he doesn't look very handsome now, but that guy, he was a looker when he was like in his prime, like right out of jail. He wasn't bad looking. And I'm not I, not my type, but he wasn't bad looking. Like he just looked like a normal dude, you know? I'd, I'd yeah. probably buy a house from him. <laughs> like, oh man. Oh gosh. I'm telling you. People with land. Mm-hmm. Don't trust People them. named Todd. <laughs> Don't go to their land to get cleaning supplies. Preschool delinquents. Yes. Look out for them. Mm-hmm. Well, that was great. I really liked that. And he was a charm. Mm-hmm. That was a third charm for sure. I liked that story. And, that, and I think it's really fun. He's not super well-known, I don't think. I mean, I'm sure people have heard from him, obviously, their docuseries about him and his case is fascinating. But that was good. Mm-hmm. That was not a Kemper or Gacy, but I tell ya, he's right up there. Yeah. As far as being a sicko, interesting case. Mm-hmm. That was good. I like that so much. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. I feel tired. <laughs> <laughs> Need a good nap. <laughs> My mind was, you know, swirling around in all these places, and that was really good. So, yeah, I'm going to go take a, a crime nap now. Um, yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. I mean, I give it a 10, a a whopping 10. And next week will be our last serial killer for Serial Killer September. So tune in. We will have some surprises and we want you guys to be a part of it with us. So definitely make sure you check in and let us know what you think. We have been posting, too, on Instagram and Facebook facts about our serial killers during the weeks that we cover them. So there will be cool pictures about Todd, I'm guessing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) this week. And so make sure you check those out and like them and tell us what you think. And click subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell us what you think. Write us a review. Give us a rating five-star rating if you're so inclined send us an email we got like some really sweet emails Mm -hmm. this past week which was so nice we really love to hear from you guys and i like the emails because we can respond yeah so i think that's really nice too so if you have questions or things like i mean you can always like message us or do comments or whatever but um it's really fun to get an email i just really like that and um so you can go to our website you can actually send us an email directly from the website i'm going to bring up your voicemail (laughs) <laughs> I check it. I check it daily. You Never. do? It always oh says, gosh. you have don't ha- have not gotten any voice messages yet. Oh, come on, guys. <laughs> Somebody. Somebody step up. Give her some snaps for Todd. So good. We'll play that's it. because you have to go to the anchor. Sorry. You have to go to the anchor one, and that's why. Nobody listens. I don't so think it's anchor.fm 
slash crimes and closets, right? I don't know. We'll have to put it out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll post we'll post about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But so come find us on all the places where you find people you know what to do and um reach out because we want to hear from you. Tune in next week for the last serial killer for September. If you have some suggestions for October, send um, those our way because we're going to get back to business mm-hmm. as usual. I think we have some fun things coming in October too. Yeah. So we're excited about that, but we want to know what your case suggestions are. Um, back to normal cases. <laughs> Don't send any more serial killers for a minute. And always remember the world is scary, people suck. Hide in your closet.